Hi, this is Carrie Ebert, and I am excited for another episode of Chapter Chat. We're going to wait for my good friend Mike to join us, and then we are going to start talking about the last chapter in our current book club selection. All right, here is Mike. Let's get here. Hope you're all doing well. It's Monday. Got some football tonight, so we are having our episode a little early. Here we are. How's it going? Good. How about yourself? I am doing great. 7 p.m. edition back on Monday night. Yep. Yep. How was your your weekend? It was about as crazy as it can be. We did so much traveling and family stuff, and, you know, my daughter got engaged, and so the future in-laws are in town, and so it's just been kind of a whirlwind, but we're good. And you got some wedding planning going on, huh? Oh, I tell you, Tuesday night we go look at the venue and decide if that's it or not. So, yep, I'm going to start forking out some money. It's coming. <clears throat> so not only do you have all these life things going on, but mm-hmm. you also have one of the best chapters in Chapter oh. Chat history. Plus, Chapter Chat has, has some other exciting things happening. Some some things we're not going to, we won't talk about yet, but yep, we'll yep. Think, tell exciting, you at the end. exciting things in the, in the pipeline. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. So Mike, today is, tonight is our last chapter for the book we are currently reading. It is called Most Likely to Succeed, Preparing Our Kids for the Innovation Era. And I texted Mike, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple days ago as I was reading this chapter and I said, oh my gosh, we could spend the whole hour just talking about page 223 like everything on that page is underlined and I have boxes drawn around I have arrows I'm like that page couldn't be packed with more information this entire chapter basically sums up chapter chat to me so this this entire chapter was all about why we're here why we're doing this why we're passionate and exactly what we're trying to do you know the, the chapter starts by asking how much difference can one person make? Right, and they say right. a lot, fortunately a lot. And that's really exactly what we're doing. Because people say, oh, what's an Instagram Live going to do? What's an right. online book club going to do? Right. Well, we, we certainly have uh, raised a lot of ears mm-hmm. and, and piqued a lot of interest. We uh, have. And this, so and this chapter, chapter Mike, yeah, tell fire. them what the chapter is called. It's called A New Vision for Education. So that's what's I think so exciting about this book because we've spent so much time talking about the issues with education, right? And what the, uh, the problems are and why we so desperately need reform. But then you and I get a lot of DMs about this, don't we? But what can we do about it? What are we going to exactly. do about it? I mean, like, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. We understand we have issues, but what are we going to do about it? So I think that's what was pretty powerful about chapter seven is they actually give us a whole lot of feasible ideas um to consider and so we're going to try to get through um it's a long chapter uh so i took some notes on a couple of pieces of scratch paper things i really hope we can get to because i know we won't be able to discuss absolutely everything in this chapter but um what do you think mike just from the first couple pages was there anything that stood out to you that you really want to you want to start with so i remember when you and i first started chapter chat we were trying to think of a word that started with r-e and we're talking about like revive and this oh, and that. Uh-huh. And this book on page 223 really started to use the word reimagine. And I love So that it's not way. about reform. We always hear about <laughs> education reform. Let's reform. Let's right. make some changes, make it better. But I think this, it's not book, enough. this book highlighted just how bad things are mm-hmm. and how bad they're getting 
you know, were happening with, you know, college dropouts, college debt, students not being ready, anxiety yep. increasing, dysregulation increasing. So on page 223, they highlight the need to reimagine education. And they say, our opportunity and our obligation to our youth, the most vulnerable population in our country, is to reimagine our schools and yep. give all kids an education that will help them thrive in a world that values them for what they can do, not the facts that they know. And I love that so much. Um, so I had my very first note I wrote was reimagine education. And then on page 235, they had another term I love. We need to modernize education because if there this you is go. your first night uh, joining us on Chapter Chat, our education system uh, originated uh, the whole kind of system as we know it originated in 1893. So I think it's fair to say we live in a little bit different world. So we need to modernize education. And uh, another word I wrote down that somewhere in the chapter they talked about, we need clarity yes. in the focus yes. and the purpose of education. And I just appreciate those words, reimagine, modernize, and we need clarity. We, we need to understand, you know, what are we doing? Because, um, uh, you know, and they, they've talked about this in, in many of the chapters that the, the world no longer cares what you know, because that is what the original, you know, how education is. You got to rope memorize, take copious notes, rope memorize, regurgitate facts on a test, just learn it for the test. And if it's not going to be on the test, I don't care about it. So I'm not going to learn it. Right. So yep. that whole idea. But it says on page 223, the world simply no longer cares how much, you know, because Google knows everything. And you have Google available at your fingertips. So what the world cares about now and what matters most for learning, work, and citizenship is what you can do with yep. what you know. See, for all of these years, the world has cared about what you know. So if you have a really big vocabulary, you're going to do really well on a certain portion of the SAT, right? If you're really good at memorizing math equations and all that, you're going to do really good at certain portions on the SAT, ACT. But guess what? The world doesn't care about that. It doesn't, it's not meaningful anymore. It's not going to get you um, a, a, a job, right? So with debt, college debt the way it is, it's so, it's so extremely, um, you know, no wonder so many students drop out. I'm sure they're thinking, okay, I'm already $50,000 in debt and, you know, I'm basically flunking out. I might as well just drop out. So the whole idea with what it costs to get a, a college degree and then to come out and not even be employable. You know, how many college students move back home with parents? Because even if they do get a job, it's not a high paying job. So mm -hmm. we have, we've talked about lots of these issues for sure. So with this new emphasis on what can you do versus how much do you know? Mm -hmm. So we know that our schools are based on the cognitive hypothesis, what we learned in our very first book, How mm -hmm. Children Succeed, right here. The yep. cognitive hypothesis is what drives our schools. So it's all about how much can you know and how much can you, how can you perform on tests? Mm -hmm. But we really need to start focus on what can you do? With so what very, you know. So the very mm -hmm. first question is, what can kids actually learn to do when they're sitting in a desk throughout the entire mm -hmm. school day? Right. Kids, like, they're going to, they, they can listen. We're teaching kids to listen mm -hmm. and be able to hear. And we're teaching them to tune out and those sorts of things. But what can a student possibly learn to do? when they're right. sitting in a desk all day having to listen and then have the anxiety of having to get it out onto a test. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So what I thought, um, again, just sticking to page 223, they talked about the tripod, and I really like this idea. And I think that this is going to help us kind of frame 
uh, a platform for mm -hmm. educational uh, reform, or if we want to call it reimagining education or modernizing education. So here's the tripod, guys. Um, content knowledge is always going to be a component of education. The authors make it very clear. We're not suggesting that we stop teaching all content. Obviously, there is going to be content knowledge, okay? But what they do talk about in this chapter is it's very important that we decide what content is required to be known versus what can they just simply Google and get the information. Because we need to Correct. stop trying to, um, you know, a, a teach in a way that is obsolete. So content knowledge is one uh, leg of the tripod. The next leg of the tripod is skills. And they actually talk about four, um, they call them the four C's. They talk about four skills. And the four skills are critical thinking, communication, and not just reading and writing, but they make a big deal about being able to present, right? Like Correct. being able to talk in front of people, being able to make your point concisely, clearly, uh, and uh, also being able to, I love that they talk about, because this is the innovation era, being able to communicate in a multimodal way, meaning you should be able to send an email. I mean, I was thinking, this is what I would do if I were a, a teacher in a class where we were working on writing skills, on communication skills, is I would give you a whole bunch of, of, of information and I would say, I want you to compose an email. Because so many meetings should be handled as an email. Do you ever, you know what I mean? Like we of spend course. so much time sitting in meetings, oh, yeah. which is not productive. So here's all the information. And I want you to, to uh, formulate an email that is coherent, concise, organized. And think about the planning and the organizing and the communication skills that are required to write an email, right? So that we really want to start teaching in the innovation era and helping students um, develop actual skills that will support them in the workforce. Uh, why wouldn't we be teaching communication in a, in a more functional way instead of worrying about how to spell words? Because we have Grammarly, we have spell check, we have so many tools available um, that we don't have to worry about all of those skills like we did in 1893. So, so, just, so just earlier today in my clinic, I had a high school student show me this brand new app that he downloaded called Brainly, B-R-I, Brainly, whatever, Brainly, L-Y. Mm -hmm. Okay, L-Y, okay. And you basically, you take a picture of the math question, you take a picture of the chemistry question, no matter what it is, okay. and it solves it for you instantly. Okay. So and he also, he also showed me a website where you can go in and put in the information of the textbook that your teacher is using, and uh -huh. it will answer, it, you type in the page, and it gives you broken down answers to every single question on the page. So see, this is the thing. I, I mean, why are we still teaching skills and having kids show their work when we live in a different world now? Literally, it, like you were talking about this last week. Oh, you have to do your homework. Well, all the kid does is Googles all the answers and writes the homework down. We call that's just busy work. They're, busy they're work. not learning busy anything. Work. When they and could be outside, when they could be outside having like learning things with their hands, yep. riding bikes with their friends, yep. doing play which right. drive down the street, you're not seeing too much of that anymore. No, 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 no. So we have communication. The next one, the next C is for skills is collaboration. And Mike, mm. in this world, how important is collaboration? Um, and we don't just mean like partner up with someone and chat. I mean, we're talking about full-blown collaboration um, where you have to actually be able to solve problems on a team because we all know there are people who don't play nice with others. So they need to <laughs> develop those skills, right? That's so right, that's right. Um, collaboration is extremely important. And the fourth C is creative problem solving. 
And, you know, being able to have uh, mental flexibility, uh, that's something we talk about a lot in, in the executive function world, right? That we have to be able to have mental flexibility. You need to be able to solve a problem a multitude of ways. Okay, so you're doing this big project on, you know, your laptop and you lose power. Okay, so let's get some solutions. What are you going to do? What do you, what do you, let's give, let's come up with five different solutions. What are you going to do? This project is due tomorrow and your neighborhood doesn't have power. I don't know. Like we should be able to come up with scenarios, real life scenarios and say, give us more than one. There should never be only one solution. That is not Correct. the real world. If we really want to teach kids how to think and how to survive in this world, we teach them mental flexibility, right? And, and, and think, think of these four scenes. Uh, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creative problem solving. Mm -hmm. How many American classrooms allow for any of those? Think nope. about it. When well, it's you called cheating in, if you collaborate. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. cheating if you collaborate. Mm -hmm. And when it's just the teacher spitting out facts for the kids to memorize for as long as they possibly can on the tests, there's no chance to have creative problem solving. No. There's no chance to communicate. Communicating is acting up. Mm -hmm. If you're uncomfortable right. in your chair, if you need to get up and move around, if you're right. dysregulated, you become a problem child. You right. get written up. So mm -hmm. there's, there's no chance. There's no way to communicate. If you communicate and how funny, Mike, that you and yeah. I probably have, at least a lot of us have standing desks. We don't even like to sit and constantly, nope. you know, be in one position in one spot and sit quietly. Um, I have to tell you something. I can't think where I was. Um, I, I wish I could think now. I was talking to somebody who has... Where was I? But it has a child in school, in um, elementary school. Oh, I know. Okay. So I was doing a speech about <laughs> on an older kid. He's 10. Still can't say his R sound. And so they go to my church. So I don't work with older kids. They're like, well, you just please come. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she was telling me how ridiculous elementary school is. She said, um, at lunch, if they get too noisy, then they have to have silent lunch. And then nobody is allowed to speak at all. And, and so if one, you know, table acts up, the entire, the entire school gets punished and every lunch has to have silent lunch for the day. Um, the other one was, yeah, winter, winter is coming, you know, and so we are talking about, you know, playground and she goes, oh yeah. She goes, you know, um, they're not allowed to touch the snow in the winter. And I said, excuse me. She said, wow. oh yeah, if the students touch the snow, they um, have to go um, indoors. They're not allowed to be outside. They're not allowed to touch the snow. They are not allowed to run and they're not allowed to play tag because somebody might get hurt, right? So this is the litigious world we live in. So our school district here has had to create all these asinine rules because somebody, somebody's mommy or daddy is a high-powered attorney is going to sue somebody if a childhood accident happens. So there's just so much ridiculousness right now that I don't, I don't even know like what, what our world has come to. I just, I just can't. So our so tripod. Th th this, whole, this whole idea of a silent lunch, yeah. I think that is so unbelievably counter- productive if you and, and i go to lunch mike and we sat silently yeah wouldn't everybody assume yeah. we were mad at each other or Absolutely. That, like we just were rude or they're basically I training those kids to mm -hmm. eat lunch later on with peers and stare at their phones the entire time yeah oh, that's, that's basically exactly what they're, they're, it they're training them to in the future Mm -hmm. sit on the phone and not interact with the world around you, just have tunnel vision towards that phone. And 
think about it, at recess terrible. and lunch, when else do these poor students even get a chance? Because they have to stand silently. They have to sit silently. They're always having to be quiet, sit still and be quiet. My gosh, they finally, for most of us, a mealtime is a social event. I mean, you yes. tell me a social yes. gathering you go to, Mike, where there isn't food involved. I mean, even if it's not a meal, somebody brings dessert or somebody brings snacks or we have cheese and crackers or let's pop popcorn, right? I mean, it's very That's rare that you is. would ever have yeah. a social gathering. Especially not- in, other, in other countries. They have like like Spain has like the siesta and everything uh-huh, like uh-huh. like food like food like in America, you know, in some ways it's a lot of just like eat as much as you can, stuff your face, and then go back as to work. fast as you can. But yeah. in other countries, it's France, a true, in France, true France. social experience yeah. mm-hmm, of sitting mm-hmm. down and talking and discussing your day. Yeah. And we are ruining it for these kids. Yep. That is yep. that that is like taking away recess from a kid with sensory dysregulation. Yeah, and I've said it before, and I'm gonna say it again, recess is a right, it is not a privilege. And no school should ever, under any circumstance, ever be allowed to take recess away from a student, okay? That is absolutely unacceptable. And any school board that okays that uh, doesn't have a clue the what school they're doing. Board, the school board of your friend, that is, that is unbelievable. I would yeah. love to see the data that yeah. shows the correlation between silent lunches and decreases in behaviors. I guarantee you it's Oh, I guarantee they're behaviors. up. They're, they're yeah. worse. Because exactly. these kids, so then they're not going to get recess if they touch snow or if they run on the playground. Then they have to, they get denied their recess. So children dysregulate in the classroom and they self-regulate on the playground. And if yep. we could just get the world to understand that you have to be in a ready state for learning to be able to go into a school and sit and do the lecture-listen model of teaching, mm-hmm. which is what mm-hmm. we have been doing since 1893. And we've decided kids should still, even in the innovation era, be sitting and rope memorizing facts where they have all the information on their smartphone right in front of them. They can look up any, any facts they want to know, but we're still going to use this old model, this old method of teaching, and then we're going to get upset when kids don't sit still or kids misbehave because they're so dysregulated and they're so bored. Yep. They are so legitimately bored because everything they're learning has no relevance to their life. And they're like, I, I mean, how am I ever going to use this? When am I ever going to use and this? We expect right? these, and we expect these kids to go home and be motivated to do homework. To do more homework. I was to just there more seven homework. hours. So yeah, you're going to go to school where you have to do a silent lunch, where mm-hmm. you can't touch the snow, where you're losing recess, where mm-hmm. you're sitting there all day listening. You get home, the computer's right there. The Xbox is right there. The Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch is right there. Yep. For some kids, the bike is right there. The skateboard's mm-hmm. right there. And Whatever. you want them to yep. sit and do math problems and read and write. So let's, that, let's make this. Think about that. It's ridiculous. So, Mike, let's say you have to go to a, a continuing education professional development course, and it's an all-day course. So mm-hmm. you have to get up early. You have to drive an hour to some location. You have to sit there for six hours. You get mm-hmm. a half hour for lunch. You sit there for six hours and an hour home, you know, in traffic. You finally get home. You eat some dinner. And then, let's say, um, you have to do um, a two-hour summary, written summary of what you learned in the course, and you have to submit that by 8 p.m. in order to get credit for your continuing education course. Like, how absolutely I wouldn't get credit for it. I wouldn't get credit for it. No, because you'd be like, I'm done. I I don't have anything left to give you. I sat for six hours and listened to you lecture at me, and now you want me to go and do work? Like, what? Yeah, and chances are I paid for it. I paid to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so no way. No way. No way. I did a a CEU course here in Philly, and we had like a half-hour lunch. I remember I ended up walking around the city for like two hours. I, I, (laughs) I I came back late. But uh-huh. I, I needed it. I needed yep. to get it. It was so. It, it was an apraxia. See, it was. Uh-huh. It was. It was just. It took so long of just so much sitting 
And yep. I'm a fully developed, full full frontal right. lobe adult. Yep, yep. And we yep. expect kids to be able to do that? No. Unbelievable. And it's not realistic. So let's finish. So the tripod. So we have yep. um, the, uh, we, we do know that we need to have content knowledge. There is going to be some degree of relevant content knowledge. Then we have the four C's. We have our skills, right? Which were, just to review, critical thinking, communication, creative problem solving, and collaboration. And then the third leg of the tripod, and they say this is, they believe, the authors believe this is the most important leg of the tripod, and it is Motivation. Motivation. Yep. Right. They, they call it will and they say that will or motivation is the foundation of all learning in the 21st century. OK, the reason they believe it's they say it's the most important, but it's the one most damaged by schools today, because here's what we know. Mm -hmm. If students are intrinsically motivated, they will continue to acquire new skills, skills and content knowledge. Remember, those are the other two legs of the tripod. I really want you guys to be thinking about this tripod. OK, when we start talking about um, reimagining education. Okay, so we've got content knowledge and we've got acquiring new skills. They say if you're motivated, you're going to be continue to be a sponge. You're going to continue to want to learn. Okay, and to thrive in the innovation era. So the first question we must ask ourselves about any proposed change in education. Oh, do I love this? Will this quote unquote mm -hmm. improvement likely increase or diminish student motivation for learning? And how will we know? So I think before, if we are looking at, at small changes, you know, local changes, trying to start talking, you know, starting at, the, at one school and eventually working up to where, you know, we start making changes and talking to school boards and things like that. Any proposed changes, this is the question <clears throat> we must ask first and foremost. What will this improve or diminish student motivation? And how will we know? Because if, if, we, if it's going to diminish student motivation, then it's out. It's history. We no longer yeah. discuss that because we yep. don't propose any changes that diminish student motivation. And, and that very first sentence for motivation, the one most damaged by our schools today, mm -hmm. that, that speaks so many volumes. So your child's motivation to learn is damaged by the education system. Think yep. about that. So well, what are, are the three worst words? I hate school. Those there are the three it. words that we hate yep. to hear from students. And because of grade inflation, we now hear kindergartners. Our poor little five-year-olds are complaining that they're dumb, that they're not smart, that they need a tutor, and that I hate school. No young child. I mean, no. if we do education right, no one should hate education. No one should mm -hmm. hate school, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mike, you're going to love this because we're still on page 223. But it says, and to be clear, we're not just talking about the thrill factor of learning. We are talking about the motivations that include, here they are. You guys ready? Everybody ready for these three words? Grit, perseverance, and self-discipline. And, Mike, what would you call those? Right here. Yeah, right? yeah. They Curiosity. call them character traits. There in in Paul Tuff's book, we talk same about... Thing self, same thing with motivation. Same yeah. thing with intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation, grit, perseverance, self-discipline, executive self function, all executive mm -hmm. function skills. Yep. Self-motivation, NEF skill, grit is basically resilience or yep. the growth mindset. Yep. Perseverance is that persistence from task initiation to non-preferred task completion. Yep. Yep. And self-discipline is basically self-regulation. 
Well, yeah, because it's inhibition. It's being able to say, okay, I'd like to play on my phone, but I really need to do this laundry. Or I'd like to play on my phone or play these video games, yep. but I really need to finish this paper. Fin I'm right? It's, it's doing exactly. non-preferred tasks and being able to inhibit. So if yep. you don't have that inhibitory control, um, you're going to really be stressed in life because you're going to never be able to get anything done. No non-preferred tasks are ever going to get done. And I think these are the skills that start. We, 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 we start addressing these not when they're in high school and then go, oh, gee, they don't have executive function skills. Uh, it, we, um, I, I posted on this on my social media, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, that the biggest growth in executive function skills from age three to five, there's another big burst in early adolescence, but uh, uh, from three to five is when those executive function skills start just yeah. growing at, a, at Lost, an exponential yeah, rate. So yeah. we really need to be focusing on um, uh, explicitly teaching executive function skills through play-based learning. And I have a whole brand new uh, self-study course on that. It will be available on my website. Um, I recorded yeah. it and it'll be av available on December 1st. Uh, it's a two hour course that really That needs explains... to be mandatory. Mandatory, oh, to get a ma mandatory to get a master's degree in speech. You have or got to, to take it. in early childhood yes. in any realm. If you're going to be in a preschool teacher, if you're going to be an early childhood special educator, if you're going to be a childcare worker, you know, in a daycare setting, I am telling you, we have got to start explicitly teaching executive function skills, because what did we learn in those, the, the book you just held up by Paul Tuff? We've been focusing on the wrong set of skills. Since the late 1990s, we've been focusing on the cognitive hypothesis, trying to force feed academics to infants, toddlers, and preschoolers in an effort to make them smarter, faster. And all we are doing is making education um, screwed up from the get-go because yep. we're not teaching kids self-regulation. We're not teaching them inhibitory control. We're not working on a working memory. We're, we're not teaching the skills that are actually required to learn how to learn. Instead, and, and we're what did we do? Kids. What did yep. we do? We destroyed kids' motivation, yep. and they're still stuck going to school six, seven, eight hours a day. Yep. So, when, when they're stuck in an area where they're not appreciated, they mm -hmm. can't communicate, they can't collaborate, they can't use uh, their creative problem solving, they have yep. no motivation. What happens? They get, they get dysregulated, yep. they get anxious, they get stressed, and they and go home, and all they want to do is be in front of a screen. That's right. And here's what happens is the next day, then when it's time to get ready for school, do you know how many kids, poor parents who are trying to get the kids out the door on the bus because they've got mm. to get to work. Right. And how many times the kid says, I have a tummy ache, my head yeah. hurts. I don't oh, yeah. feel good. Let's be clear that that is stress, right? Yep. Oftentimes kids don't say, Oh gee, school is really stressing me out. What they say is my tummy hurts. My head hurts. I, I, you know, so it's amazing how oh, many yeah. kids don't like school. Somebody just said right there, my kids do not like school and that's not okay. So we better no. start asking the question when we start looking at reimagining education, when we start proposing change, what is the question we're going to ask? Will this quote unquote improvement increase or diminish student motivation? And we are only going to look at changes that increase student motivation. So right? we keep talking about, I hate school. I hate school. Do you know who doesn't hate school? Kids in Finland. There you go. Kids in Finland love school because love uh, they get to take the love classes it. in the order that they want when they get to uh, uh, high school. Um, they, uh, it's just a fascinating, our second book was called, that we read was called Finnish Lessons 2.0. And uh, it was just amazing. And, and all Finland did was just take educational research done in America mm -hmm. and apply it to their own country. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty and they amazing. Saved, they saved a ton of money.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. And make that's that's what one thing Mike and I have talked about through all of these books thus far is that when we start talking about reimagining education, we don't need billions and billions of dollars. I mean, yeah. what we're talking about mm -hmm. is uh, really looking at um, uh, uh, creating change so that it is relevant for living in the innovation era. So we're looking at teaching kids um, skills that are actually functional instead of just simply rote memorizing. So the good thing is this isn't, we're not talking about, oh, we need millions and millions of dollars thrown into STEM initiatives um, because nope. we've been doing that for how long and our test scores still don't improve. It goes nowhere. No NASA, how much NASA money. science labs. Goes yeah, yeah, million nowhere. dollar. If you're, you're going to put money into education, it needs to go to the teachers. Money to the teachers, funding to the teachers. Yep power yep. to the teachers take the That's power right. out of the politicians hands oh, from boy. both sides of the aisle republican democrat it has been yep. a disaster an yep. absolute disaster and what do we have now a school system that make kid makes kids not want to learn That's simple right. as that that's right. So on page 225, Mike, I really like this. They start getting into, look, if we could just move to a competency-based approach, okay? Yep, so yep. when we start talking about, about uh, a reimagining education, I just couldn't love this more. I, Mike, were you ever in Boy Scouts? Were you ever oh, scout? yeah, that when I was very young, very young. Okay, so I was um, a brownie, which is kind of like, you know, it's, it's like scouts, but um, I was brownie, um, and I don't know, I was in it a few years when I was in elementary school. Uh, but I really like, on page 226, they actually use an analogy. If we could just liken education to how scouts earn merit badges, and yes. the way they earn merit badges yes. is on the basis of demonstrated mastery of competencies as judged by informed adults directly involved in the experience so to get a camping merit badge kids practice and master the skills required to camp they don't jump through hoops by memorizing the names of various tent types or tent companies they get a cooking merit badge by learning how to cook right not sitting in a chair watching someone else cook for 150 hours and filling in multiple choice questions about how long it takes to bake a potato. To become an Eagle Scout, they master core competencies and earn additional merit badges. Oh, I couldn't love this more. I have this highlighted and I have a line and I have an arrow <laughs> next to it, aligned with their interests. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. When we start looking at uh, imagining a new education system, we have got to start looking at individual interests talents and preferences because that is what is going to make education flourish why in the world would we want every student to learn exactly the same thing the world is so immense and there's so many skills required to function right we can't have everybody learning the exact same skills if you are talented in um you know fixing things like my dad was um he was a tv repairman back in the uh -huh. days when you fix tvs because uh, -huh. uh my dad was born in 1928 and so uh he literally went to trade school if that's what you want to call it and he learned how to repair televisions and then uh a few years later he went and got another certification and he could repair uh washing machines refrigerators so he was the guy who drove around in a truck and went to everybody's house he was a repairman never went to college but he went to these trade 
he learned a skill. Does that make sense? He was, he, and nobody else, there are very few people who could do that. And so in this day and age, we frown in the United States. Oh, oh yeah. you're not going to go to college. Yep. Oh, you must be devastated, mom and dad. Whereas in Finland, about 45% of the students in Finland yep. choose vocational. They choose to go the vocational route because they want to have it. They want to go to a trade school. They don't want to go the academic route. They want to learn a skill. Remember when you were and, talking about the people in your house doing like the wallpaper or whatever? Do you remember you were saying oh, that? Yeah. The painters. Oh, the painters. and they were putting in our carpet yeah. and the yep. math they were doing, the hands-on. When they put in our new railing, they took out our banister and he had to measure precisely because he had to build. And just, he was a carpenter. Watching him build all new of the posts and the, uh, I, the amount That's of math he did. That's I was watching him and I said to his wife, who is like, you know, the helper. She like carries the wood out and stuff. She's like, I was like, wow, it looks like he's doing a lot of math. She said, oh, he is brilliant with math. And she said, you can't be a carpenter and not be brilliant at math. And I'm like, see, that is just amazing. He owns his own company. Him and his wife run it together. Um, you know, they, they have a lake house. They have their own. I mean, they clearly are doing very well. But yet he was probably, oh, you know, you didn't go to college. Yeah. Gosh, that's so sad. There's and nothing probably, sad about he it. He probably uses more math than mm -hmm. people that were honors AP and probably yep. even or uh, probably even math majors in college. Right. right. But because he's, he's doing using it, it functionally. In, yeah, it, it's he's functionally using it functionally in an actual yep. skill. But so this, he has competency based. Yeah. Yep. And that's what we need to move to is competency based. And if you are reading this book, let us know, those of you who are on um, with us live, if you're actually reading the book with us. I always love to know if anybody's actually reading along because Mike and yeah. I read the chapter four. And, and everyone, everyone say where you're from. We did that a few weeks oh, yeah. ago. And we, I we loved, do love I, to know I, where I you're from. I love that. When everyone, just everyone very quickly, you don't got to say any more information. Just yes. write like, oh, I'm from Philadelphia, PA, New York, yep. New York. Just write where you're from. I, I, I always yeah. find that so interesting. I but do this, too. But this page 226, I'm not going to lie to you. I read this and I was just like, Holy shit. Yes, it's for real. This, this, this merit badge thing. It's, it makes sense. Un, unbelievable. Jamaica. I, I, it made it. me think, like, why did I not think of that? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, like the second I, I was done reading this, uh -huh. I was just like, okay, this makes so much sense. We really don't need grades anymore. No, we really Seriously. don't. What we need is competency-based no. mastery. But, oh, but yeah. if we move to this merit badge idea... Uh -huh. Where, say, for example, okay, there's a calculus badge, there's a, you know, a Civil War badge, or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. this, that. You can have your academic badges, and you can mm -hmm. have your skill badges. Okay, you earned it. You showed a competency, a competency here. We don't need grades anymore. Stop so here's, pressing, that's right. The badge. That's it. So on page 227, they say shifting to a competency-based system would invite the question of what should be the core merit badges for kids in school. And this is what Mike's talking about. What competencies would we want all kids to develop? Would we prioritize chemistry over collaboration, calculus over creative problem yep. solving, Chaucer yep. over critical thinking, Civil War trivia over communication? So here's, and I have two stars next to this paragraph. A competency-based system would force us to rethink school in terms of two fundamental dimensions. Everybody ready for this? Number one, do we want students learning to be shallow or deep? And number two, do we want their primary focus to be subject, content, or critical skills? Because clearly what makes the most sense is we want deep, okay, and we want critical skills. Because we can get all of the content from Google from Alexa, from Siri, whoever you want to get your information from these days, it's readily available um, at your fingertips. So we don't need shallow 
memorization of facts that you only memorize so you can pass the test, which I'll be honest with you, that's what my high school was. I mean, when I think yep. back to, that's all I remember doing was study cramming for a test. What does cramming for a test means? Okay, hurry, get all this information in your head, say it over and over, make flashcards, make flashcards, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, so that when you go to take the test, you remember the definition or you remember the date or you remember whatever. But I, to this day, I mean, I took lots of history classes, but I honestly don't know a lot about history. Now, my oh. husband, who majored in geography in college, he yep. was a geography major. He knows more about history because he swears the best way to teach history is by teaching geography because you can't separate history and geography out. That's true. So it's just so fascinating that there are so many wonderful ways to teach, but we are stuck in this lecture listen model, rote memorization model um, of cramming and then regurgitating and then forgetting everything you just memorized. And, and, and this, they even went deeper on page 228, they went yep. deeper with this merit badge thing. And I, I starred this like crazy. So that, that middle paragraph, okay. students, students would work on their merit badges by taking a rich assortment of courses, some of which would look like the ones we described in chapter four, and then through mm -hmm. independent study, so them working at their own pace, yep. choosing interests, yep. work internships, hands-on experience and service learning projects conducted in the community. Yep. Learning, here's the thing, learning would not be confined to the traditional academic calendar or even to the school buildings. Because so, we're talking about competencies now, just like scouts. Scouts yeah. don't earn all their badges at the same time. Mm -hmm. It takes uh, scouts different lengths of time, right, to develop competencies. So of course, students are gonna work at different paces, which is why then you think about in Finland, they don't have grade levels. Like when you get to upper secondary, which is high school here, there is no ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade like we have it. You just have to have so many competencies if you will before and then you can graduate like so however long it takes you is how long it takes you so th right above that paragraph mike on page 228 i wrote the word wow with an exclamation oh, yeah. point mm -hmm. here it is we think a high school diploma should be a certificate of mastery and not just a certificate of seat time served. seat time serves as it has been since 1893. 1893 and isn't that the truth how many students seat graduate time. because they 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 passed, yeah. they made it, they showed up, yeah. they were there enough. So they had seat time earned or served, but it has nothing to do with mastery. So I just, I tell Look you at the number chapter... of people who get a high school diploma that are basically illiterate and can't read. Mm -hmm. Look but they that were, up. Look yeah, that they up, up um... adults with a high school degree who can't yep. read. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Ridiculous. And, and all, all of us, all, I know we have a lot of SLPs in our audience because we're both SLPs. And we've all sat through those IEP meetings where parents get really upset and really defensive and yell, you know, why hasn't this goal been achieved? Why mm -hmm. aren't you approaching it this way? And parents get all fired up about a specific goal or right, specific right, data. Right. When there is a book like this out, out in the mm -hmm. open for the world to read, yep. how is how are we not so fired up about yep. reimagining education? Because this is think this, these are your tax dollars. That's people. exactly right. Seriously, these are your tax dollars going towards education that you're probably fighting with your son or daughter over on a daily mm -hmm. basis 
thinking because they, they have hate a, school. Yeah, because they hate because it's school, boring. It's because meaningless. they can't motivate it. It's destroying mm-hmm. their motivation, and it's causing fights for homework. Causing and fights anxiety. Anxiety. And their self esteem is destroyed. It's further driving. It's further driving their screen addictions. Yeah. And we're not fired up about this, knowing that this book is out there. Knowing that oh. this book is available to superintendents and I know. school boards. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Um, I just have to say, and I know this is a, a ways ahead, but on page 238, I actually wrote this quote down. What we need to strive for is to make learning more effective, affordable, and aligned with what matters in life. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? What matters go. in life? We need to be teaching um, skills that matter, functional skills, those core competency skills, instead of looking at content knowledge, right? We don't care what you know. We care what you do with what you know. We care with how you problem solve, how you think, how you critically analyze, right? That's what matters. And Mike, on page 229, I just, I, I, I think this is pretty powerful because they talked about merit badges should reflect their community's particular priorities. Like in certain, I mean, I always say I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and our culture and our community problems here are different than they are in Philadelphia. They're different than they are in Los Angeles. They're different Mm -hmm. than they are in Phoenix, Arizona, or Denver. I don't care where you live, your community, even here in Missouri, in in the, in, I'm in a suburb, it's going to be different than the inner city problems, right? So when we start looking at um, creating an education system that works, it needs to be community specific and so what i put i wrote a note on the side that said education should be aligned with the needs of the community and the culture you know and i just think so there wouldn't be a common core that doesn't make any sense because it depends on and you start looking at how are we going to solve the problems one of the other huge questions that i just i just can't even i can't even handle is they ask what are you going to do to make a difference in your world? And it's a question they actually want students to answer. What are you going to do to make a difference? And I couldn't love that anymore because they need to be looking at what's better. How can I better my community, right? That's what we want because if you live in a small town, in small, here it is on page two, 250, what's something big and bold you'd like to do with your life to make your world better? Is that Mm. not the most beautiful question Mm. you've ever heard? What's something big and bold? Because for Mike and I, this is our big and bold. We are trying to affect change in education, right? I've been an SLP for 26 years, and I just feel like I've been grinding away, grinding away, and I feel like I've finally found this purpose. Like, oh, my gosh, this is what we need to do. We need to start affecting change for um, future generations because education is stuck it is stuck in the dark ages and we have got to start reimagining it and and i, I love what, what my what, what my good friend here d caboose said uh she's a great slp great mom out there uh push them through so there's room for the next person yeah and, isn't that, that's exactly so so this is what what your taxpayer dollars are doing yep. we are pushing these students through so there's room for the next person let's bring yep. the next person through give them their grades, give them their report card, get them into this college where they're just thrown to the wolves. Yep, it's, yep. it's absolutely ridiculous. And one thing I love about this, what this book does is every once in a while, it'll break down 20th century versus oh. 21st century. Yep. And they break it down beautifully. Did it and, multiple and you, times. And the sad thing is, is every time they list 20th century, it's always what's happening today. Today in the and 21st century. Every, yeah. and, and that's exactly what it is. School. Yep has not evolved. If we have yep. DMVs evolving and schools yeah. are not evolving, there's a problem. There is a problem. There is a problem. And so I have to say, Mike, that on page 230, 
-hmm. So this book, the subtitle of this book is Preparing Our Kids for the Innovation Era. So I think a lot about this, the innovation era. And I'm like, they have such a phenomenal solution here. They say that what students would do, okay, in um, this competency-based system is they would have a digital portfolio that follows them through school. The portfolio would represent a collection of the student's best work. It would be their papers, speeches, projects, works of art. It would be evidence of mastery of the skills that matter most. Today, a student can use free services from companies like Seesaw, Pathfinder, Google to construct online portfolios of their work, providing a basis for formative assessments you guys we live in the digital age why are we not making every student have a digital profile i just have to tell you when i was in in high school i was the weird kid who loved school there was never a time i hated school because i'm just a i've always been very self-motivated i love to learn right so i was always that student who writing a paper that was back in the day where there were no there was no google you had to go to the card catalog in the library search for like a reference book then use the dewey decimal system go find that book so i mean Mm -hmm. i talk about research it was intense but i still have to this day my favorite papers that i wrote in college or in high school i had one on king henry the eighth and i don't i have i probably saved like five and they're like 15 page single paste typed not printed typed i had a typewriter right typed pages um and i saved some of those uh in one of our classes we it was we had to create a menu of uh, a restaurant that we wanted to open in a foreign country and so my friend danielle and i worked on this wow. menu, so i saved that so i have it's not digital because we didn't live in the digital age then but uh-huh. i can bring out some of my best work that i was yep. most proud of that was representative and so i think about that i'm like i did it long before the digital age before a digital profile was even a thing portfolio was even a thing why aren't we doing this mike why yep. this is so yep. easy so this digital oh. portfolio was actually part of the grow now model we did the research study on so real. so 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 grow now myself and my team we did a year-long research study on the internal language grow now model with an entire grade level at a local public uh local private school in the okay. area here uh and it was all about you know training visual imagery training self-talk and finding different ways to bring executive functioning to school to the classroom wow. and part of that was having a portfolio of things that they worked on and one of the things it. that the kids loved the most was you know in the beginning i had every student choose three words so i basically said to them okay if i went to someone you really liked and you really respected and i said give me three words to describe you what okay. three words do you hope they would say and Ooh. i phrase it that way and they think about it they come up with three words and you help them mold it a bit you don't you don't you don't, right. you don't want you don't want words like funny you want words oh. like brave and hardworking uh-huh. and those sorts uh-huh. of things uh-huh. and then that is what built the portfolio so every day they would set goals and say how am I going to be brave? How am I going to be hardworking? How am I going to be uh, caring? How am I going to be those things? And then they would rate themselves later on. I love like, it. Did I, love I it. did I do those things? And then they found someone, a role model, and they ended up doing a presentation on this person uh, who was a role model to them and why that person embodied the three words. Oh, and it was, it was th- these kids. I had one kid do... Uh, one kid was Stephen Colbert. He talked about why Stephen Colbert was his favorite. One kid talked about the the Broadway actor who played SpongeBob on Broadway. Oh. <laughs> uh, it, it was just amazing that who the kids picked, 
and why this person was their role model. And they ended up doing research. They were motivated to do research I love to it. learn about Stephen Colbert and all of the things he had to do to get to where he is now. Uh, and and, it, and and it, it was student <laughs> autonomy and it was individual interests. And they were and, motivated. And they created this portfolio that was theirs. It wasn't I love a report it. card that was the teachers or the right. parents. It was a portfolio yeah. that was theirs. So That's... they cared about it. And so, yeah, so it's powerful. Um, I just love this too, because on page 236, they start talking about, okay, so once you like start looking for a job, wouldn't it be amazing if there were digital portfolios, evidence of a candidate's competence? And so on page 237, they start listing these and I'm like, oh my gosh, like these are, this is available right now. You compelling writing skills are evident on blogs. Creative mm -hmm. public speaking shows up in YouTube videos. Technical writing skills are evident in, in eHow posts. Social media shed light on a candidate's personality and judgment. Increasingly, employers recruit in the same way you'd want to commission yep. an artist to do a portrait. Reviewing yep. portfolios of work instead of interviewing art history majors from Ivy League colleges. So what we want is for... Uh, students to be able to demonstrate their capabilities. We live in the innovation era. We live in the digital age. It's everywhere. Anybody can figure out if I'm a good professional speaker because I have all of these saved videos that you and I do every week, right? Right, Mike, if somebody wanted to know, well, is, is Michael McLeod, is he a good speaker? Well, come listen to him talk. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. everywhere on social media. So <laughs> it's not like it's a secret anymore, right? You and I, have, we have digital portfolios. People can find out what you and I are passionate about. They can find out what we've written, what we've done, right? Because we have digital portfolios. Students should have digital portfolios as well, right? This shouldn't be something that we wait till the workforce to start doing. And, and think about it. If you're, a, uh, if you're an employer, are you going to uh, hire someone from Harvard with hundreds of thousand dollars of debt uh, who has no blog, no social media presence, right. no portfolio? Or right. are you going to take someone with only a high school degree who has an actual portfolio? Who has who competency? Who comes? Who comes to an interview right. with a flash drive saying, "Here's all my, here's all my stuff." Here's what you I need to know about me. It, there, yep. there you have it. Yep. So yep. It, it's not about that gold ring, that right. college degree anymore. It's no. not about what you know. It's what you do. Do with so what you know. So going and getting an Ivy League education today is not the same as actually going out and doing it. That's right. That's right. So in this chapter, they go on and talk about how absolutely pathetic research and development in the educational world is. So the fact that there is hardly mm. any money spent on research and development um, is why we don't have any change because where is all of our funding going? I mean, all the money goes to, and they talk about, oh, this is, this is crazy. For every dollar we spend on military research and development, we spend half a penny on investing in how to improve our kids' future. So we spend half a penny compared to what we spend on defense, okay? So no wonder our education system is stuck because we don't spend any money on research. You actually have to um, spend money on research. And what ends up happening, and somewhere in here they say this, is they end up just spending all their money on extremely expensive consultants right? And they spend all their money on standardized tests, right? Oh, so we have to pay the testing companies. We have to get all these tests because we're not looking at um, the competencies like we've been talking about today. We're looking at still scores, test scores. Uh, all of this money going towards the military 
it's it's really insane how much is yeah. going to, to them. And I've known people who are in the military, and I constantly hear about uh, how you know the meal is comped, the hotel is comped, all of these mm -hmm. things. And we're not here to bash the military. No, like, no, no, none, none of that sort of things. But money at some point we have to start to recognize that not all schools are created equal. Right. We have to start to, to realize that a lot of schools are hurting. And I just talked to a mom this morning. Uh, her, her son finally got into a, um, a, a private school in the area and it's not working because there's mm -hmm. so much turnover. It's like, and, and teachers are quitting at record paces. Yep. Schools are doing whatever they can to hire teachers. And why would a teacher, someone who dedicates their life, knows they're never going to be upper class, knows right. they're, they're never going to be super comfortable with finances, why are they going to want to devote their life, honestly, why are they going to want to devote their entire life to an educational system right. that they know is broken? Yeah, and it's been broken, broken for a long time. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, on page 235, how about this? At the school level, finding enough unallocated budget dollars to cover a field trip is a stretch, let alone to fund the outside-the-box initiatives that might actually transform learning. So, I mean, isn't that an issue that we don't even have because we spend all our money getting kids iPads, making sure every student in the district has a Chromebook or whatever it is. So we give all that money goes there instead of investing money in the students themselves and the teachers, right? Absolutely. I mean, we and, yeah. And, and if, if we look at how much money needs to end up then be spent on people who are not able to gain meaningful employment because right. they're the most crucial years of their lives were wasted. You yep. know, we talk about how much money is spent on, on unemployment, mm -hmm. all the money we had to spend during COVID, all, right. of, all of the issues of, uh, you know, welfare, Medicaid, Medicare, Medicaid, all of these things that people need because right. they graduate with a high school degree if they're even able to do that in the yep. environment they're in. And then what are they able to do with that degree? Absolutely nothing. Because yep. they, they could have had a 4.0 in high school, mm -hmm. graduate, and not have anything to do. And I can't tell you how many students I've worked with at my practice that coasted through high school, absolute breeze, wasn't yep. an issue. They went to school, got they great grades. Yep. It was yep. easy, for them, easy for them to memorize. Uh, they went home, played their video games. And then, and then here comes time for college, things fall apart. Yep, yep. So what I like about this chapter, Mike, is they do go into what many successful schools have done here in the United States. And we oh, are yeah. certainly not going to go through all of them. But I just really like um, uh, this one, the high tech high, um, yes. starting on page yes. 246 and 247. So just listen to this. This is pretty cool. Um, high tech high also has its own graduate school of education and brief the school embodies all of the best practices that we've described. Teachers team teach. Did you just hear me? Teachers team teach interdisciplinary courses where students master core competencies through engagement and challenging products, projects. Students regularly present and defend their work orally and in their digital portfolios. And they complete both a work-based internship and a team-based service learning project as requirements for graduation. Um, the documentary film, Most Likely to Succeed, which I think everybody should watch, um, they describe uh, this specific school in that, in that video. Um, but I just think they give, if you haven't read this book or haven't read this chapter yet, it is so worth it. Because Mike and I could never go through and tell you how many success stories there are. But considering, I think it said there's 137,000 schools in the United States, and they can mention about, you know, two dozen that are doing well. So, I mean, it's not like a, a very big percentage have figured it out. 
Um, but on page 248, I think this is pretty cool. They talk about um, the, the, that these deeper learning network schools are committed to the following principles. Mastery of core academic content, critical thinking and problem solving, collaboration, effective communication, self-directed learning, and an academic mindset. So they kind of then or go through and explain. Mindset. Yeah, yep. yeah, growth yep. mindset. Absolutely, right? Yep. So they, there are some really good things in this chapter that um, that did like open my eyes to like, oh, there are some solutions, right? But, it, and can you affect change? Can we do it? Um, because, oh, where is it, Mike? Because you and I have been saying this all along and I wrote down what page it was because I was like, we have to remember to mention this. Um, oh, page 257. So we haven't gotten there yet. But on page 257, at the very bottom, it says, real change won't happen at a school without a sense of urgency and shifting culture. And urgency won't come from top down. Where's nope. it going to come from, you guys? Right it is here. going to be grassroots. Right it is here. going to come from the bottom up because education is too deep in politics. It is too many layers of red tape. We can't affect change starting at the top. It's not top down. It is going to be bottom up. It's going to be starting in one school district or in one school within a district and affecting change. And then it, it goes to another school in the district, right? So it is going to be grassroots. I do not think we are going to see... Um, a change in education because it's too big of a system and nobody knows how to dismantle it and start over. It's exactly what it is. Politicians make a living pushing for laws they know are not going to actually help people, right. but it's going to help them get funding and help them get reelected. Yep. So they know that Pearson, Princeton Review, College Board, they know what to push for so that they can stay in office and they don't have to get a real job and they're in all those sorts of things. Right, and, right. And, that's, and, and we're talking both sides of the aisle here. So, yep. But right here, this is something that politics cannot get involved in. No. Finland did it, and they were unbelievably successful. Power needs to be in the hands of the teachers. The educators, and, and, yeah. And, and, and parents, when you're, all you who are, who are reading along with us, and you're reading about Riverdale Country School, where I once I once worked at a summer camp. Uh, we talked about that in uh, in How Children Succeed, uh, Beaver Country Day, African yeah. Leadership Academy, all of these places. When you're reading about these schools, what are you? How are you not comparing this to the public or private school your child goes to now? Right, right. And it's and it's. I guarantee they're not doing any of the things that these schools are currently doing to reimagine education. Yeah. And I have to go back to page 224, Mike, because this blew my mind. Like I, I, it's that emoji with like your, your brain exploding, right? So at the very <laughs> bottom, it said, um, in 1995, the CEO of IBM called for a national summit on education. Almost all of the nation's governors, mm -hmm. many CEOs and other national and state leaders came to the Palisades, New York in 1996 and agreed to push for new academic standards and sweeping education reforms. Tellingly, only a handful of educators were even invited to the summit, and they were only invited as observers. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. I, 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 I don't have words for this. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand how we leave educators out of any discussion about education. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't even make any sense. So when we start talking about a new vision for education, page 259 is another a page that actually has um, a hypothetical example of how school 
you know, reimagining an education system might work. So you might have a small group of volunteers who decide to help move a school forward. So think about your own school right now, whether you work at a school, whether you have a child in a school, okay? Number one, they organize a community event around a compelling speaker or a powerful film say, at the risk of being self-serving, the acclaimed documentary, Most Likely to Succeed, which if you have not watched it yet, I highly recommend you do. In small groups, they discuss how the world has changed and what skills students need in order to thrive in the future. Such discussions bring urgency to the need to reimagine the school's current model for helping students develop essential skills, igniting discussion about community values and aspirations. Number two, they conduct focus groups with students. Students! Okay, not politicians, students, and how about this, recent graduates. My two daughters who just graduated college, they would be so amazing if they could sit in and say, this is what I wish they would have done. This is what I wish they would have done in college. Why did they do it this way? This would have been so much more helpful. Even when they graduated high school, they were like, uh, that's why my one daughter wants to be a teacher. She's like, I don't want to teach like that. That didn't help me. They need to teach like this. Why aren't we talking? We need focus groups, right, of students and recent graduates to bring the student voice into the conversation. Videotapes of focus groups with recent graduates are discussed by teachers and parents in order to better understand how graduates were most and least well prepared by their school and number three in response to community input the team establishes priority skills for students which could include collaboration communication creative problem solving and critical analysis subcommittees of parents teachers and students assess the school's current effectiveness in developing these skills and that is how we can start affecting change so on page 265 getting towards the end of the chapter here uh, it starts at the top of the page. We wrote this book out of concern, fear, to be honest. And then jumping down, today our education system has become the American nightmare. Yep. It saps the joy of learning from every child and teacher. That's and we're the seeing problem. it now. Yeah. We're seeing yeah. it now. Teachers crazy are leaving turnover. like crazy. Teachers are quitting. Yep. Teachers are yep. quitting and they'd rather go uh, bus at a restaurant or wait Absolutely. at a restaurant or bartend than yep. do their life's passion. Yep. Classrooms jump through endless hoops that have nothing to do with executive function skills. It says life skills, but I'm going to say executive function yep. skills. Yep. Our education policymakers lack vision and perspective and prioritize the need for an outdated version of accountability, the yep. opposite of the finished lesson, accountability yep. versus collaboration, yep. not the long-term interests of our children. For millions of young Americans, school is where their hopes for oh. a meaningful life die. It's, and it's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching, Mike. Look at this. I just, this, this highlight on page 264, I, I don't even know what we're talking about here, but it says, we insist on top-down command and control. We micromanage every minute of every lesson plan. Instead of letting a thousand flowers bloom, we replace all flowers with the same lifeless, over-tested weed. We take every ounce of bold creativity out of the classroom, replacing it with a soulless march through dull curriculum and test prep decoupled from life skills we prioritize standardization and accountability and don't seem to notice or care that students lack engagement and purpose we rob our kids of their futures over tested weeds yep so we're pulling out flowers and we're putting in over tested weeds 
Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, it is. And, and on page 236, I don't know that this fits here, but I just have to say, I highlighted it. I was like, I don't know where I would even add this, this statement, but this kind of makes sense here. Each of us can begin transforming education by taking one simple step. Do you want to know what it is? Like this kind of, this was, this was mind blowing. It's two words. What can we do, each one of us, in order to start transforming education? Stop, I guess it's three words. Stop glorifying it. And I was like, whoa, what yeah. do they mean? And that's yeah. exactly what you read. Most of school yeah. today involves jumping through hoops. We have to stop glorifying being busy. We have to stop glorifying having kids overscheduled, um, having them work from, you know, being miserable, having them constantly be doing meaningless, pointless assignments. We have to stop glorifying the and current stop education with the my, system. stop with the my kids so smart. Right. Stop with the uh, uh, Cognitive so many hypothesis. Honors, yeah. honors classes. Oh, AP they talk classes. about that here. They say all AP yeah. classes should be gone. Here it is. It's, Look, I just turned yeah. to it. Page 252. The yep. first step, eliminate all advanced placement courses. Okay, What's they the actually point? talk. What's the point? Our students are often taking interdisciplinary courses now. This is so good. Listen to this, Mike. Like the study of contemporary Latin American politics in a course that is taught in Spanish or applied calculus combined with advanced physics. And so their transcripts are sometimes much more distinctive than those of other schools. This is Riverdale, where they actually teach interdisciplinary courses. Instead of saying, oh, you're going to learn physics here and you're going to learn calculus here, they actually combine it. Like how my husband says, if you want to learn history, you learn geography because you will always learn history when you learn geography. So why wouldn't we combine that social, those social sciences, right? It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. And it, so, it doesn't matter if you have a 4.0 in high school. These nope. grades are, in, at the end of the day, They're meaningless. meaningless. Nobody, no one's going to get your high school, your high school uh, transcripts and see you got an A in these AP classes. And care. Who's going to care? If you're not a good member of the team, if you're not fun to work with in a team, if you can't communicate with your coworkers, if you can't get get your face out of your phone, if you can't uh, uh, deal with resilience and have a back and forth conversation, no one's going to want to hire you. And none of these skills are practiced. Why? Because we have silent lunches. Because we have recesses where <laughs> where kids where yeah. kids because can't, kids uh, aren't playing in preschool kids, anymore. Kids, They're kids not playing in snow. early childhood. Mm-mm. It's exactly we are teaching yeah. kids to sit in unbelievably uncomfortable desks and listen, listen, listen. And Lexi none listen. of these skills. Yep. And this is what it is. School is where their hopes for a meaningful life die. Go to die. And yep. that's exactly what's happening because we are not teaching any skills. So page 254, here are the new basics. And I love this. What I wrote, they didn't say this, but what I wrote next to it is strengths-based approach. So here are the new basics. Creative problem solving, collaboration, iteration, which means you should be able to do things over and over until they're mastered. That's a fancy word for repetition, right? Empathy, tech, and media literacy. Isn't that a cool way to talk about it? Tech and media literacy. Like we talked about earlier, you better be able to send a concise email um, that is uh, relevant, meaningful, get your point across, that doesn't take you nine paragraphs. You ever get those emails, Mike, where you're like, I don't have time to read this. Like it's paragraph after paragraph. And I'm like, Every day what is life. this? What is this? This is not a meaningful email. Like um, short, sweet, concise, to the point, right? So what else do we have here? Um, visual communication and presentation skills. Um, standardized testing is missing the big point, okay? Because what they do is they focus on determining what students don't know. Why do we want to focus on what they don't know? We use a strengths-based approach, and we build off of current strengths, talents, interests, and preferences. And that is how we make learning relevant and meaningful to every student. 
So uh, I really loved, uh, I always love how uh, books like these, like this, close things out. Uh -huh. uh, on page 266, we now live in a country where these kinds of dreams are so much more difficult to realize. Yep. Our education system weeds young Americans out. Yes. I love how they keep using the metaphor of weeds. That's the only thing uh, I have highlighted yep, on that yep. page, Mike, right there. Weeds young Americans out instead of inspiring them. It makes the bottom rung of the economic ladder more elusive, coating it with academic grease. That is genius. Oh, Think that about is that. Genius. Think, you know that, that ladder that we're all trying to climb to get right. to our hopes and dreams? Where it's coated in academic grease. Meaning you're that never going to get there. Genius. That's, that is genius. 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 And last thing I want to say, Mike, because we bring this up every week, but on page 265, it says, each generation of Americans is capable of doing amazing things if we just stop putting up irrelevant roadblocks. So in, the, mm. in two paragraphs down, it says, today our education system is, has become the American nightmare. And are you ready? Here's the sentence. It saps the joy of learning. Oh, you've already talked about this from every child and teacher. And we talk about how... Um, as long as there's joy in learning, children will always love to learn. But you sap the joy, you, you pluck the joy out of learning, and all of a sudden we have every kid in America, you know, who, hate, who hates learning, right? You're going to have those few students who really like lecture listen, who are really good at rote yep. memorization, who say, I love school, this is my cup of tea. Okay, that's great, because there are going to be some kids who do learn that way and who enjoy that, that way of learning. But for the majority of our, our, of our students, it's become the American nightmare. So what an amazing book. Um, we have finished I, I, it. I did not want it to end. I'm serious. This yeah, was, this was this my was, favorite. I honestly this... think of all three, and I think it's because of the order we read them in. I feel yeah. like if we had read this yeah. first, it might not have been my favorite, but I feel like we had it. We had such a good foundation with Paul Tuff's book and then with the finished lessons book and now this. So, you guys, next Monday we will start our new book, our fourth book of Chapter Chat, and it is called Declarative Language Handbook. And, Mike, tell us about the author and what you have set up for us. Yep. So the author is Linda K. Murphy, M-S-C-C-C-S-L-P. She's a fellow speech and language pathologist. Yep. And like I say about the Declarative Language Handbook, a lot of SLPs hear declarative language and they think, what is that? The mm -hmm. best way to describe it is it's the opposite of directive language. Directive language, go clean your room, go do your homework, directives. Yep. We teach yep. kids to use declarative language. Why? Because it sparks visual imagery. Oh, and, it, can't and, wait. And, and it sparks all of that and it's fascinating. And, and look how short it is. So Mike short, and I- sweet, to the point, and we're I changing we'll things read up. The first two chapters, because they're just, they're not very long. It's only going to take probably a couple weeks, maybe three weeks at the most. We'll finish this up before Christmas for sure, before the end of the year. Um, and then Mike is setting it up so that one evening on a Monday, Linda is going to join us. So there will be three yeah. of us. Uh, one night and we will let her just tell us all of her her wisdom and share that with us so um i did she have a session at asha do you know mike someone asked did she have a virtual session i kind of think she might have oh uh, i don't know i don't know, I don't know, if she, I don't know if she was there she might have no she might have done a virtual one though so we'll have to ask her um but yeah i am excited about this and then can we tell them about tomorrow are we for sure on for tomorrow mike oh we're on have for tomorrow that? yeah let's tell them Go so for it. There is an early childhood guru. Um, his social media handle is Mr. Chaz, right? C-H-A-Z-Z. -Z. He was, he was, he's probably not here anymore, but he was on with us earlier. Oh, he was on earlier? Yeah, he okay, was here. He, he, was, he was writing a few things, yeah. Oh, very good. So he has invited us to join him live tomorrow at 1.30 Central Time. Only 15 minutes, so Mike and I are going to have to... Fewer yeah, words, because we be, talk... 
We are verbose, um, but I am super excited uh, to get in front of his audience, and he just had three questions for us, so we are going to try to buzz through those. So if you're available tomorrow uh, at 1.30 Central Time, 2.30 Eastern Time, we will be on Mr. Chaz's uh, live, so it's going to be... A lot of fun, and I'm and super it, yeah, excited. Everyone, everyone follow him. Uh, oh, he's, he's unreal. He's, he's unreal. He's amazing. He's You actually introduced me to him. Oh, yeah, because I think yeah. I kept sending you things like, look at uh -huh. this video. And he's, like, really good at, like, doing real, I don't know, he videos, and he talks, and he just walks and talks, and he's brilliant. He's beyond brilliant. So please make sure you follow him, and uh, let us, uh, hopefully, uh, let us know if you're going to, but hopefully if you're available tomorrow, you can join us and catch that, because that'll be fun. And so. it's just the beginning. Everyone's always uh, asking, what do we do? What do we do? Keep tuning in to Chapter yes, Chats and Monday. share this with your friends, your share colleagues. Share with your friends. Spread yeah. the word because the more people who I just sent them a message about you guys the other day. There you go. Look oh, at that. love it. Look love at it. that. See, the people like Maybe that. Maybe that's and how he found us. You never our know. Friend, our friend it. from Canada. That's amazing. That's so amazing. Yeah. So, so amazing. Every single person who comes. I, I know uh, Callie Knight tuned in, tuned in from Hawaii tonight. She's on vacation and she's still tuned in. Isn't that amazing? That's dedication. I, Allison that Wilson is dedication. tuned in right at 7 p.m. Every, all you people out there, we have really formed a community. And the more people that come and check this out, change is the going more likely to we can affect change. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And it's going to happen. We're, we're, we're not stopping. Well, we're not stopping. We're, we're, not we're, stopping. we're fairly young. You know, we, we got a few years left in us. We're so we're three, just going to keep three plugging books away. Deep, three books yep. deep. We're going to change it up for the next one. Yep. But hey, everyone keeps asking how, how, how. It's happening yep. right here. It is. So, Mike, this was wonderful. Go watch some football, and we will see you guys uh, next Monday night. What's his name? Well, it's you just want to type in Mr. Chaz. Mr. Chaz? I think, I think it's like, yeah, yeah, two Zs. Two Zs. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look. I mean, I just know him as Mr. Ch I know people by their social media handles. I don't know anybody's actual name. Like, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's. He's um, awesome. He is phenomenal. When you find though. his profile, you'll know him. Oh, you'll know, and you'll be amazed. And you won't be able to stop watching um, because he's unreal. So um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. If you're here in the United States, we wish you – oh, they're at Mr. Chaz. Thank you for whoever did that. That's great. Um, if hey, you are not hey, in the I, United States I, – I am thankful for you, Chapter Chat, and all you people. Yeah, the Chapter Chat community is something that I'm extremely grateful for. I'm grateful, Mike, you and I uh, – somehow ran into each other on social media a year and a Thank half ago God. during the pandemic. I mean, how, how insane is this? Um, we've never met in person someday. It's on the bucket someday, list. Someday. someday. That's going to happen. So Mike, I wish you and your family a, a wonderful holiday. Take some time off. Enjoy your family. You Give well. your daughter a big hug for me. And um, I'll see you next Monday night. No, I'll Can't see you wait. tomorrow. I'll see yeah, you tomorrow. tomorrow. I That's forget. We mm, awesome. All right, Thank guys. You guys take so care. Much. All right. Bye-bye.